You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Thursday, October 26th. The 49ers are looking to shake off a two-game loose streak against the Bengals. But it's not going to be easy. And yesterday we found out it could be even harder than we originally anticipated. We'll talk more about that in a bit here. You guys wanted adversity for this team. Well, here it is. And eat your heart out. Uh, joining me to discuss, panic, laugh, and maybe even argue is uh, Rob Stats Guerrera. Rob, how are you doing today? Great, Steph. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, I am in my little like cozy flannel today. It dropped to 40 degrees. It's foggy outside. I guess like fall has finally decided to arrive here in uh, Colorado. So that explains me me looking extra cozy today. But uh, <laughs> Rob, as always, we're going to start with this week in 49ers history and I'm not going to go too far because I always try to find something like either super memorable or super relevant. So this week is going to be super relevant. One year ago, October 23rd, 2022, the 49ers lose their second game in a row against the Kansas City Chiefs. After losing the previous week to the Atlanta Falcons, they fall to three and four on what's supposed to be a deep playoff run Super Bowl chasing year. Well, I don't have to tell you, Rob, what happened after that, but this is just, I guess, a, a bit of a tale of what we're kind of experiencing now. And I actually, I, I did have uh, my reaction episode from last year's loss to the Chiefs, and I just wanted to play a small bit of it here. After a terrible loss last week, the 49ers made a pretty they, – they did a pretty good job of uh, – you know, lightening up the mood. There was a lot of positive storylines going into the game. Uh, the trade for CMC, Jim Harbaugh and the 2012 team was celebrated this game. It was National Tight Ends Day. Uh, you know, you think about the fact that it was rematch of the Super Bowl, the 49ers revenge game. Yes, let's go. None of that mattered, unfortunately. Yeah, so... <laughs> and it was kind of more of the same of what we just saw these last two weeks, whereas like uh, they don't look like a team that's ready. And it was actually worse last year because they started the season terribly. They they didn't even get to a five and zero start. So, Rob, I mean, putting that all into perspective, uh, do you do you have any thoughts on where the 49ers are today? Well, first of all, I think people forget about that Chiefs game. It was a five-point game in the fourth quarter. Like It wasn't like the Chiefs had blown the 49ers out the whole time. It was 28-23 after the Niners scored with 14 minutes left in the fourth. And then the game just completely got away from them. And, of course, they didn't lose again in the regular season after that. I This is what I think. I think that too many 49er fans have said, don't worry about these two losses. We always go on a late season run. Look what happened last year. Look what happened the year before. Like, that's not a normal thing. You can't just count on that, right? You can't just assume, well, we'll go eight and one in our last nine games. Like, that is not, you can't just bank on that. It's, if this season has shown us anything, you can't assume anything anymore about this team. So I hope that we stop doing that. 
Yeah, it is a dangerous game to play, right? And I was certain that the 49ers were not going to play it this year because they started so hot. And I thought that was the whole point of starting hot, right? Because you have one goal in mind and you have to make sure that you get there. You need to get that number one seed. Now, I know it's very early in the season, Rob. I understand that. But now the number one seed kind of looks like that's not what you're playing for right now in this given time because the Eagles would own that today. And so I think the NFC is stronger than it was last year too. That is a fact. So you can't really drop too many more games, I think, with the Eagles looking as good as they do. Uh, you know, the Lions also look good. They're 5-2. and two. Uh, The Seahawks even are keeping up, right? They're, they're right behind the 49ers. So if the 49ers drop any more games, you know the Seahawks are right there. Uh, to snatch the NFC West up. So nothing is certain. You can't you can't just assume, oh, we're going to get hot later. I agree. Um, it has worked out for the 49ers like that. Uh, I, you know, five and two is is not bad for the 49ers right now, but I think we both know they have to get out of this. And so, like I said, it's not going to be easy because they're playing a Bengals team who is coming off a of bye week also coming in with a losing record, just like the last two teams that the 49ers have played. So they're more desperate to win. And Debo Samuel, he's going to remain remain out through the bye week. This we already knew. Um, as for Trent Williams, Kyle Shanahan said that they were being cautious with him, keeping, in, keeping him out against the Vikings, knowing that they'd have a short week afterwards and knowing that the Vikings field uses turf. So the hope is that Trent could practice Thursday, that is today. And so we'll keep tabs on his practice status and and see how he is, but it seems like good news on Trent, but there's more and it's not good. Brock Purdy has now entered the concussion protocol. He suffered a concussion in Sunday's game. He started to experience symptoms during the plane ride home, which is why we didn't hear about it till yesterday. And he entered the protocol Tuesday, right? So not ideal when you need to win a game Sunday and your starting quarterback now looks unlikely, not impossible. I do want to say it's not impossible that he can play Sunday. Just want to make that clear, but it does seem unlikely that he plays on a short week. Can I swear? <laughs> uh, keep it minimal, okay. Rob. Leave it out, Rob. Bleep it All out. right. <laughs> All right. I can't. Oh, Steph, we can, we can talk about Sam Darnold's. And we can dive into that, but I just have to say right now, like we could have, we could be watching Trey Lance this week, right? That could have been a oh scenario. Don't, and instead, no, we have to, to watch there. Sam Darnold because the 49ers were so convinced that Trey was so awful that they shipped him out of town. And now we have to watch Sam Darnold, Sam freaking Darnold. Don't, don't make this about Trey Lance, Rob. <laughs> He's not on the team. Like, who cares? I I personally, the, the moment that he got traded away is the moment that I stopped caring. And that's when how everyone else should have handled the situation as well. The 49ers made their decision, all right? And better for worse, they are going to have to lane it. But at the same time, we don't know that Trey Lance, if he was even available, if he was with the 49ers, that he would start this game. And if he did start, you know, let's just say hypothetically that he did start over Sam Darnold in this game should Brock Purdy be out. We don't even know that he would play well. So like, what is this point of bringing up Trey Lance and the discussion and I don't oh, know, do holding you it know against the 49ers still? 
do you know that Sam Darnold's going to play well? Who would you rather watch this weekend? No, I, I don't know. I would rather not watch either of them, to be quite frank. Well, I know, <laughs> but you got to pick one. Yeah, but um, I mean, the 49ers made that choice, right? And so this is this is what we have. So the 49ers have Sam Darnold. That's who we're going to see. And that's it. Like, it, we don't need to do this revisionist history and talk about Trey Lance. It, there's no point to it. There really is no point to it. So I'm just saying, instead of Sam Darnold, who offers no upside, right? Even if Sam Darnold is really good, are you going to keep Sam Darnold next year? Like, what is the, I don't get there. He's he's a backup. He he doesn't need to have upside. I understand that if Trey Lance was still with the 49ers, we'd be talking about upside because that's all it was with Trey Lance. Like, well, he could be this, he could be that. The 49ers saw enough that they determined themselves that he was not that. So, like, that, that's all it needs to be. <laughs> like, just leave it alone. He's not here anymore. Yeah, okay, great. So we have Sam Darnold. Awesome. The 49ers have this habit of making the backup quarterback unreliable, right? Your backup anything is supposed to be reliable. If you have a backup car, maybe it's not the prettiest car, but the one thing about this car is that it's going to get you from point A to point B, right? That's what you know. This car never breaks down. That's not what the 49ers have had with their backup quarterbacks. Last year, their backup quarterback was Jimmy Garoppolo, who always broke down, and he almost immediately broke down with the 49ers. And this year, it's Sam Darnold. Same thing. He's often injured, and his performance is anything but reliable. We have no idea what we're going to see from Sam Darnold. I admit, we could see 250 yards and two touchdowns. We could. We could see... 100 yards and four interceptions. That's just as likely, to be honest with you. So that's why, that's what's frustrating to me about this backup situation. Your the backup anything is supposed to be reliable, and Sam Darnold is anything but reliable. Most backups in the league are are not good. Like most backups playing, any fan of that team would think, oh God, like we're gonna drop this game. Like that's just the reality of. That's why they're backups, you know. Um, as Technic Sheik, you know, mentioned, backup equals good floor. I do feel like Sam Darnold, and going back to Trey Lance just for a second, like I do, I did always feel that Sam Darnold had the higher floor, and you I think what? that's why, because of what we saw in like the preseason, what I'm what I'm assuming the 49ers saw in camp and the practices, he had a higher floor. I and disagree. He has the experience. That. He has he has more starting experience. It's so, bad experience. His worst game, Sam Darnold's worst game, is way worse than anything Trey Lance ever did. Sam Darnold's worst game is hideously bad. He does not have a higher floor. That's my point. His floor is lower. His ceiling may be higher, maybe, but his floor is definitely lower. Definitely. I think the 49ers made the decision that he has a higher floor. That's why Sam Darnold is the backup today. And they're wrong. Sam Darnold once went 11 for 32 with no touchdowns and four picks and 86 yards passing. Show me the the performance that Trey Lance had like that. That's what I mean. I I think Darnold's floor is as low as it gets. With this team? Yes. It's not the team around Sam Darnold. It's not. He's the common denominator. I agree with that to an extent, right? Like, I, I agree a quarterback is who they are, but, like, you do have to admit that the team that they have around them 
does help. Like, ha- isn't that what people have been saying about Brock Purdy for, you know, the past few weeks too? I, I do agree that some of that is true. Brock Purdy, I, I think is a good quarterback outside of that because of the processing, all these other intangibles. But I mean, I don't think we could deny the fact that Brock Purdy has benefited from, you know, the, the weapons he has around him. So. Yes. Oh, he absolutely has. But Sam Darnold had Christian McCaffrey in Carolina. Sam Darnold had DJ Moore, who everybody said was going to rescue Justin Fields from the abyss. Sam Darnold had pieces around him and he still stunk, stunk. I'm tired of people saying, oh, now he'll be good. All that is to me is people that like Sam Darnold coming out of college that don't want to admit that they were wrong. That's that's all it is to me. I've never seen a quarterback get 55 games of experience and people still say, I think he could be the next Steve Young. Like what? What I mean, other I don't, quarterback? I didn't go that far. Kyle <laughs> went that far. Kyle Shanahan said that. Like what? What other quarterback has gotten 55 games where we said, we're still not sure. Not only are you still not sure, you got people like Dan Orlovsky who are fighting for him who are telling people well if sam darnold he could if he's got the right team he could be just as good no no we've never done this for another quarterback before ever i agree that was nasty work like this whole like media parade of sam darnold was weird and it was unwarranted like based on what i do agree with that rob that was ridiculous um, but I'm just like, I guess I, I want to be optimistic because he's going to be starting a football game for my favorite team and our favorite team. And I want him to do well. You know, I and I if I'm if we're wrong about everything that he's looked like before, I think we would both be happy with that. Right. Yeah. I, and I maybe I need to expressly state that. There is a difference between what I think will happen and what I want to happen. I want Sam Darnold to throw zero incompletions and eight touchdowns and 550 yards. I want every 49ers quarterback to do that every single game, whoever it is. I'm not telling you I don't want that to happen. Of course I want that to happen. I love this team. I bleed red and gold, but I don't think it's going to happen. But of course I'm rooting for it to happen. Absolutely. I think I'm going into this game with no expectations. And I I feel like that's the best way to go because I don't want to expect too much and get disappointed. That That is in the cards for Sunday. And I also don't want to just think he's going to be terrible and, and then, you know, potentially be wrong. Like, that is also in the cards. Like, anything can happen, like you said. Um, I, I do kind of think the defense, the 49ers defense, will tighten up. They have to, right? Like, especially knowing, okay, like we're not going to have our starter. We're not going to have a Brock, this guy who averages over 20 points in his 10 plus games as a starter, right? Who knows? Maybe that's why they're they're feeling very comfortable, right? Because they're like, hey, our offense could score 30 points with their eyes closed. We don't need to play that hard. Uh, but now Sam Darnold, the backup, is starting a game potentially. And so they're going to need to tighten up. But I truly don't know what to expect of – Sam Darnold in this offense after a week of prep and game planning training camp is obviously different you see even Brock was throwing interceptions almost every day of camp sometimes multiple in the preseason games there's no game planning involved from either side I have to imagine with game planning involved 
that could be an advantage for the 49ers. And, and I only say that because the Bengals will prepare for Darnold based on what they've seen from him in Carolina, maybe New York, maybe they'll look at preseason film, but again, like, I don't know how much they'll, um, that'll actually tell them, right? Like Darnold, uh, he, he could look different in San Francisco. He could like that. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, we we've seen that happen for other quarterbacks before, uh, but Darnold is going to need Trent out there. I, I do want to just say that because Trey Hendrickson going up against Jalen Moore this week, at left tackle. That would be a problem. And Sam needs this offensive line to block for him because I don't think he has the same pocket presence elusiveness as Brock Purdy. Um, in fact, I would go as far as to say like, Okay, it's not just that I think. I think we know he doesn't have that same pocket presence as Purdy. Um, so Brock can make the offensive line look better than it is. Can Sam Darnold? I, I'm not as confident about that. Well, no, right? Isn't that the whole argument in favor of Sam Darnold is that the people around will elevate him and not the other way around? Um, I will say this. Sam Darnold is almost like the bizarro Brock Purdy. <laughs> like Brock Purdy, all Brock Purdy's strengths are neck up, right? reading a defense, processing, feel in the pocket, pocket presence, all that stuff. All Sam Darnold's strengths are from the neck down. He's very mobile, much more mobile than people give him credit for. He can supposedly throw the ball. Some people say he's the greatest thrower of the football the 49ers have ever had, but he certainly has a much better arm than Brock Purdy. Like all his uh, strongest points are physical rather than mental. Uh, so it's going to be, it's going to be like, the different type of game, I think, than we've gotten used to with Brock Purdy. And we're also going to see Sam throw some balls and be like, holy crap. Because let's be honest, yeah. Brock is throwing mostly changeups out there. They get where they need to go and they get where they need to go on time, but they're pretty, they're pretty soft. Darnold's going to be out there throwing some lasers because he has a much better arm. We're going to be like, hey, whoa, that was a throw right there. That's true. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is different i'm sure we'll be impressed by some throws and others will be like oh like why'd you throw that kind of thing you know that that's the sam donald experience right <laughs> and uh you know brock Purdy is he's he's uh he's had a couple uh close interceptions too and he's thrown three interceptions the last two games so maybe we just need someone to well okay he, here's a question what do we expect out of kyle shanahan in this game with Sam Darnold at quarterback, right? Like, is he going to give him the same kind of plays that he gives Brock Purdy or is he going to give him a safer offense to work within a lot of check downs, maybe, you know, a deep throw here because, Hey, you have the arm, you might as well try one kind of thing. Uh, but just a more safe and conservative offense. What do you think? I think Christian McCaffrey is going to get 8 billion touches in this game. <laughs> I think it's going to be run the ball 45 times. I do agree with you on the deep shots. And to be fair, Sam Darnold had two beautiful deep throws in the preseason, like picture perfect, everything you could want on a deep throw. And, and people say, oh, well, it was against backups. I don't care. The ball was like 50 yards down the field and it was in the perfect spot it had to be in. So he does appear to have that in his bag. So I wouldn't mind a couple of deep shots. And to be honest, you might need him. Cincinnati's probably going to take a couple of their own, but I think you'll see that. And I think you'll see Christian McCaffrey left Christian McCaffrey, right? Christian McCaffrey up the middle screen passes. Ray Ray McLeod's going to get some screen passes. Kittle might get a screen. I think it's going to be protect, protect, protect. Cause that's what Kyle does, right? He, he, he puckers, especially when things get a little dicey. He, he shrinks. He doesn't get bigger. He doesn't puff out his chest. 
but so usually I would I would say yes if the backup goes in I think any like play caller would kind of go with the safe mm-hmm. um, offense but I remember last year when Brock Purdy came in when when Jimmy Garoppolo went out in that game against Miami and they did not back down. They were, it seemed like they were calling the same plays and Brock Purdy was hitting them. So I wonder, and you know, we have all these good things that Kyle Shanahan has said about Sam Darnold. He thinks the world of him and his arm. I kind of wonder if he is going to try to give him the same plays, see how it goes. And if he, you know, looks like shit, (laughs) uh, you know, throwing and he, he has those near interceptions. He looks like himself. Then you kind of reel it back and you kind of go into that safe mode and you're like, okay, this is what we have to work with today. Kind of. I would love that to be honest with you, because I think the Bengals are going to expect, Hey, they're probably going to play conservative. <laughs> Nick, I'll bleep it out. Uh, I think that the Bengals are going to expect a conservative game plan. So go let it rip. If you're, if you're Kyle, maybe you catch him off guard, at least at first, right? Maybe you can. Do, and that's the other thing. Lou Amaruno, uh, Am- why can I never say his last name? The Bengals defensive coordinator is really, really good. Uh, so that has me worried. But I will say this. There is only one silver lining that I see about this if Darnold has to start. I think generally, Steph, that there has been a real lack of urgency with the 49ers with these losses. That they have gotten to this habit of, well, sure, we lost to the Browns, but if Jake Moody makes that kick at the end of the game, we would have won. So we really didn't lose, right? Things are okay. And they lost to the Vikings. Like, okay, we lost to the Vikings, but now we're really going to wake up. Like, don't worry. It's fine. We're still five and two. Now I feel like this might be the wake-up call. This might provide a little bit of urgency for that defense, like you said, that suddenly needs to pick it up. Like, okay, crap. We've got our backup quarterback in here. We're playing Cincinnati. They've been a successful team the last couple of years. It's time now. Like we, it, there's a different urgency just because of the nature of what has happened. You could think that like, okay, it's time to get ready to go, but now they have like actual real adversity and real motivation. Yeah, I agree. And I'd love to talk about the defense here and we will in a second. Just one question before we get into the D defense. <laughs> um, what if, and I know a lot of people are mentioning this online. What if Sam Darnold does ball out? What does Kyle Shanahan do then? Because after this game, you go into the bye week, you'd have some thinking to do, right? Oh, I absolutely think it's entirely possible Kyle can switch quarterbacks. I don't think that's crazy at all. Kyle loves Sam. He loves him. He ran out and signed him on the first day of the legal tampering period. Nobody was breaking down Sam Darnold's door. Kyle loves him. What did he say immediately after he signed? Ah, sure, he was bad in Carolina and New York, but he was behind in those situations. Let's just ignore the fact that the quarterback is the reason that they're behind in the first place. Don't worry. He'll be better with us. I love him. I loved him coming out of college at USC. Kyle really likes him. And let's be honest, Steph, Brock is not Kyle's quarterback. Brian Greasy drafted Brock Purdy. Brian Greasy is the reason that Brock Purdy is on this team. Sam Darnold is Kyle's handpicked guy and i i don't think it's totally out of the question and they won't come right out and say it we like sam we're benching brock here's what they'll say 
Brock's not all the way back yet. They'll save face that way, right? Brock is still feeling symptoms on concussion out of an abundance of care and caution and respect for Brock Purdy. We're going to wait until he's 100%. And if Darnold plays another game and he stinks, you watch how fast Brock Purdy will heal up. You watch. They can easily do this and avoid all criticism. They have plausible deniability. So then I ask you this. What kind of performance would Darnold need to have in order to make it a discussion? Because I think it would have to be a really freaking good one. And quite frankly, I don't know if Sam Darnold has that. Uh, well, first of all, no turnovers. That That's the biggest thing. Like, even if he were to throw four touchdown passes, if he had two turnovers, I don't think that's going to do it for Kyle. Like, protecting the football is is priority one for Kyle. So he's got to have no turnovers, which is very difficult for Sam Darrell in his career. Uh, and then number two, like he's going to be able to impress throwing the ball. So like, he's going to have that sort of on his side. So if he can make a couple of plays where he just throws some friggin' lasers and he doesn't hesitate. Cause that's Kyle's other thing is that you just, when the guy's open and you see it, you let it rip those two things. I think in combination will definitely give Kyle pause. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, it would have to be a game like no other. Multiple touchdowns. I would have to see Sam Darnold do things that Brock Purdy hasn't done. Win a game from behind, potentially. Mm-hmm. You know, be in a very close game and, and win it at the end. I don't know. In In conjunction with also having a really good game, like, overall. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he could do that, right? Like a lot of things would have to go right and perfectly for Sam Darnold to have a well enough game to make it a conversation, to make it a thought in Kyle Shanahan's mind. I understand that Kyle loves Sam Darnold, but I think he loves Brock Purdy too. And I understand it was Greasy's pick, but I think he's grown to love Brock Purdy because he's seen everything that that he's done. If all it took... If all it takes is Brock throwing two interceptions for Kyle Shanahan to change his mind on him, we would have seen Brock Purdy a hell of a lot sooner last year because his old quarterback did the same thing several times, right? So I think Jimmy had the locker room more than Brock. Like I see this comment from Chrissy here, 1687, Purdy has the locker room. Does he though? Like, First of all, yeah, he does. He's a captain. He was voted a captain. We've seen with this organization, a quarterback get a concussion and then lose his job. Like I remember when Alex Smith got concussed and lost his job to Colin Kaepernick. Now that was a different Kaepernick. Again, he did things that Alex Smith was not doing. Yes. Uh, That was a different coaching staff to be fair, but like clearly it does happen. And Jimmy had more, um, like equity in the locker room, I think, than Brock has because they were terrible before Jimmy Garoppolo got there. And right when he got there, they started winning. And and so many guys in that locker room talked about how he turned the team around and he had that. 49ers were already good when Brock Purdy took over. It, there wasn't this feeling of like he pulled them out of being a losing franchise. And if Kyle couches it as Brock's not totally healthy, it's he, we're protecting him. We're protecting his brain. I think you can mitigate some of that like locker room unhappiness that might come if you did switch quarterbacks. I give the chances of this being a thing after this game 1%. <laughs> and, and that's not to say like, I look, Sam Darnold can win this game. That's fine. That's great. We would all be very happy if that happened. It's not going to be enough. 
even if he does win to, you know, take over Brock Purdy's job. I just don't see it. Uh, shout out. Yeah, I hope. Gammon Brown uh, says both hosts wearing black and white clothes feels ominous and gives off funeral vibes. The question (laughs) should be, can the 49ers establish a run game? That is a good question because we're talking about how, you know, they're going to lean on Christian McCaffrey if Sam Darnold is going to be the starter, right? Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I think they lean on McCaffrey regardless of who's the quarterback, right? You kind of have to, but they haven't been so successful with the run game as of late. Elijah Mitchell has come in a couple, you know, a couple snaps here and there. He's got a negative yards in two consecutive <laughs> games. Christian McCaffrey's like three point something yards per carry these last few games. Can they establish a run game in this one? It's going to be very important in their success. That's the most important thing. And you mentioned it, 4.3 yards per carry for the Niners against Cleveland, three yards per carry for the Niners against Minnesota. And I get that some of that has to do with Trent being out last week, but it's the most important thing. Regardless of the quarterback, this offense is built to function around a positive and a really highly successful running attack. And they haven't been able to do it and they're going to need to do it. And by the way, Enough with Elijah Mitchell. Enough. What else does Jordan Mason have to do to get some run on this team? Like, my goodness, can we please see Jordan Mason instead of Elijah Mitchell? I don't know what Jordan Mason is doing in practice or in games that has him, like, missing these opportunities, but clearly he needs to work that out. But at the same time, Kyle just needs to be like, let's, he needs to be out there. Like, I, and if he's going to be out there, just have him on plays where he is going to get the ball. I don't know. Right. Um, I know audibles happen, but I don't know. I, he he does need to be out there. Elijah Mitchell is not going to cut it. No one respects Elijah Mitchell. If he's out there, he's not going to get anything. <laughs> so hit him being out there is, is a moot point basically. And it's going to just be a loss of a play. Uh, and you can't afford to do that when you've already lost two games in a row and you really need this one badly. Uh, One of the things that I saw that the Bengals kind of struggle against on defense is runs to the outside. And I feel like that's one of the things that if Trent is going to be out, that's going to be more difficult, especially if you're running to the left. So hopefully Trent is there. Of course, him being out there is going to help uh, the run game get going if he is back to 100%. And so that's going to, bloom large for the 49ers uh his status for this game as well regardless of who the quarterback is going to be well let's get to the defense rob um look there's uh, much has been said about steve wilk's decision to call an all-out blitz with 16 seconds left in the first half on a third and long and it's been a big conversation this week and kyle shanahan spoke with the media uh yesterday he was asked about it and i just want to share that clip here with you guys yeah, I think he, he knows you guys, I think, talk to him tomorrow. Uh, he knows he messed up on that call. I have no problem with zero blitzes, um, um, especially when people need a lot of yards. You know, if you need to get 20 yards to kick a field goal, I have no problem with the zero blitz. Um, but I do when there's 16 seconds left, and I, that's where he lost track. There was no necessary need for that just because of the time. I have no problem with the call. Got But, I mean, I have no problem with that play call, but when it's that time, you can't do that. It's not an option. A lot of people then began to question a couple of things. One was Kyle calling out Steve Wilkes. 
I don't think it was him calling him out. Like it clearly, it sounds like they had a discussion about the play and they both agreed that wasn't the right call for that time. Uh, and it sounds like Steve Wilkes admitted that to Kyle. They, they probably mutually agreed to it. Fine. We'll hear what Steve Wilkes has to say about it today. Cause he's going to speak to the media today, Thursday. Um, and then there were also people who were saying, well, why didn't Kyle veto the call? And I'm like, I understand why you wouldn't do that. For one, you don't want to undermine your defensive coordinator. Second, it's literally in the middle of a game. Like you have 30 seconds to make a decision <laughs> on this. Um, and you you got to trust your defensive coordinator to a certain extent. It's like, all right, you think that's the right play? Fine. Like, um, and I don't know. I, I just, I understand why he wouldn't have vetoed that call there. And at the same time, I think in the future, he's going to pay a little more attention maybe to not to say that he wasn't paying attention, but like maybe just a little more attention to like some of those defensive play calls, um, you know, maybe call a timeout if he doesn't like one. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was wondering about the overruling thing, too. I don't think it undermines your defensive coordinator. I think like that's your job as a head coach. The buck ultimately stops with you. So you have the authority to overrule anybody on anything. But the mechanics of it, J.J. Watt had a tweet responding to Mike Florio, who sort of asked the same question. And J.J.'s response basically was like, there's not enough time. But I do think it's either head coach's responsibility as the plays are happening. Right. So the Vikings had just I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the Vikings had just spiked the ball before that play. So there's time to me in that moment. Kyle has to say to Steve Wilkes, hey, all we got to do is tackle them in bounds here. And they're not, the half is over. They're not going to be able to get any points. And I don't know if he did that. I don't know if he didn't do that. But yeah, he did spike the ball to play before. I just looked it up. So like, to me, that's on Kyle to, you know, remind everybody the game management aspect of it. Hey, just tackle them inbounds here. You could even say no zero blitz, but you don't have to necessarily specifically say that, but just like remind him of what the the ultimate goal is. The ultimate goal is to get out with no points being scored. It's not to force a turnover. What the hell were you going to do with a turnover? Like there wasn't enough time. So I put that on Kyle beforehand to remind your guy, hey, this is what we need to do. But I also feel like, you know, Wilkes has a responsibility in that too. If Wilkes is the head coach of the defense, being the defensive coordinator, I think it's it's his job, too, to have his players be aware of that situation. Yes. And Mooney Ward, who is a veteran, should have known that. You know, maybe I feel like there's sometimes there's times where coaches, when they're dealing with veterans or they're dealing with certain players, you just kind of assume, like, this guy has to know, like, <laughs> the situation here. He he has to know. Like, we're, we, we're about to get off the field here if you just end this play. Uh, okay, don't go for the turnover. Like, that's just common sense kind of thing. But in the heat of the moment, I think pl players also can forget those things or just yes. they don't think about those things. So players do need to be reminded about, you know, those things and those situational moments. And so that falls on Steve Wilkes, I think. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe Fred, maybe a little too, because, yes. like, you know, on the field, he's the guy who communicates to the players on the field, hey, we're not going for a turnover here. Just bat it down. Get Let's get off the field. Let's get to halftime. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of communication 
uh, that needs to be had. And a lot of people maybe are responsible for that not being communicated to all of the players. Um, but I hope that this is a learning moment. And it certainly feels like a learning moment for everyone on this team uh, in those situational moments. Because, yeah, that that was a huge play <laughs> that, you know, kind of changed the course of the game for the 49ers. So, yeah, hopefully uh, they can learn from it. One other player that I wanted. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Rob. Can I interrupt real quick? I uh, just yeah. want to um, point this out. I find it hilarious. 49er fans are furious at Steve Wilkes right now. And the reason I know this is because I have a YouTube short on my channel of Steve Wilkes. And the title of it is Steve Wilkes Rips His Own Defense. It now has almost 28,000 views. What people don't realize is that short is from August in the preseason. Oh they're so mad at Steve Wilkes because of what happened and everybody keeps viewing it and commenting on it. It's, you know, two months old. You're just like, all right, keep the views. Yeah, I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, there is a lot of. Uh, blame going around and finger pointing and most of it right now is falling on Steve Wilkes. I don't think he deserves all of the blame. You know, I think these last two games has been a product of the entire team and, and both coaches, Kyle and Wilkes kind of, you know, dropping the ball a little bit, so to speak. And they're going to learn from it. That, that's what we hope. Right. I want to talk about one other defensive player who we expected more out of so far this season that is Nick Bosa and he was asked if missing training camp has impacted his play so far this season so wanted to share what he said I think a little bit I think I'm trying to work on stuff on the run this year that I wasn't able to do in, in camp um, so those games that I mentioned the two um, I think I was thinking too much because I was trying to add something to my rush plan or which is uh, not what I want to be doing during season I want to be locked in on what I do best and just doing it all right so I was I was thinking to myself like you know yeah obviously missing training camp does impact players like we saw Debo Samuel kind of go through this when he was dealing with his negotiations and then he had the season that he had, he was disappointed about it and all that stuff. And I was also thinking to myself, well, it's not just Nick Bosa that has underperformed. It's been the entire defensive line. So this isn't just a Nick Bosa problem. That being said, I mean, he literally just admitted that that has impacted his season. And we do expect more out of Nick Bosa because he's making quarterback money now. And it, it's not great to hear that, him missing training camp because he was dealing with these negotiations is the reason that he's not locked in right now. I, I hate to hear that from a player. I'm, I'm, I like the transparency, but I hate to hear it. Well, and he also did say, I don't know if it was in that clip or I don't know if you played the whole thing, but he said in that answer, that's no excuse, which I do appreciate yeah. the fact that he said that. But here's the thing, Steph, that I feel like not enough people paid attention to. The rest of the defensive line isn't underperforming. They're performing. Nick Bosa had 18 and a half sacks last year for the 49ers. The next highest total on the team was Samson Ebukam with five, and he's gone. The next highest total after that was Charles Amenehu with four and a half, and he's gone. Drake Jackson was the next highest total after that with three. Guess how many sacks Drake Jackson has this year? Three. 
which by the way is more than Bosa. The dirty little secret last year was that the 49ers pass rush wasn't that good outside of Nick Bosa. And guess what? It's exactly what it was last year outside of Nick Bosa. So now when Nick Bosa is underperforming, it's like, oh my God, this defensive line is so much worse. They're pretty much the same as they were last year. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can argue that, but I, because the entire defense is underperforming and we expect more out of the pass rush, we want sacks. I mean, I'm tired of hearing about the pressures. Everyone's tired of hearing about the pressures, right? We want sacks. We want game-changing plays. We, Because I, I think pressures are great, but we're not even seeing pressures that are uh, becoming incompletions, that are becoming turnovers, right. that are becoming, like, fumbles or, or what have you enough to justify pointing out, Oh, well, look how great they're doing with the pressures. We don't care. <laughs> we want game changing plays. And that is what this defense has been paid so much. This defensive line has been paid so much money to do and we just haven't seen it. So we need to see more. It sure. It starts with Nick Bosa because of how much he's getting paid. He's the best player on that defensive line. You expect more out of him. Um, so, Nick, you know, maybe just try to not try new things out on the field, you know? Like, what is – come on, man. Like, yeah, I, I hope that him getting asked that and him, like, saying the answer and admitting it is, like, maybe I shouldn't do that in a game kind of thing. Maybe I do need to pin my ears back and just, like, do what I'm supposed to do kind of thing. Well, also, I, I really hope that focus comes this week. What you've been doing hasn't worked. How much longer are you going to try it before you switch it up, Nick? I mean, hell, in that Browns game, in that Vikings game, like you were not getting any pressure. Wouldn't you have switched it up at some point, especially? And maybe he did, to be honest. I don't know. So I, I don't want to say that, but it's very, very frustrating. They have to get more out of both. They have to get more out of Hargrave, frankly. I don't remember yeah. a ton of Javon Hargrave pressures, you know, like I'm pretty sure if Javon Hargrave had gotten pressure right up the middle against Kirk Cousins, it would have screwed with him a little bit. We didn't see that on Monday. Which this past week against the Vikings, their interior offensive line was their weak point. So I'm thinking Javon Hargrave is going to have a great game. Eric Armstead's going to have a great game. We didn't see it. And so a lot of people are, are saying, well, the 49ers need to get another, uh, pass rusher i know they got randy gregory but everyone's like we we need someone else too because what's happening right now it just isn't working they need a speed rusher or something like that you know i saw this yesterday um uh nikki and i'm not gonna attempt to say her last name apologies uh who covers the washington commanders uh she's tweeted out one team has made a trade offer to the commanders for defensive end montez sweat but none so far have offered for Chase Young per source unclear the terms of the offer for Sweat. So one team has made an offer for Montez Sweat. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were thinking this has to be the 49ers. <laughs> like it just has to be, right? Um, I don't know if that's true. It's fun to speculate. Maybe they are the one team. And I, I've heard that he could be had for like a third round pick or something like that. If that's the case, like I would not be mad at that at all. I mean, he is a really good player. Well, if it's a third round pick, you take it. The 49ers third round picks for the 49ers are worthless with this regime <laughs> for the most part. Other than Fred Warner, like take a third round pick. <sighs> My first reaction would be, do you really need another pass rusher? The 49ers have invested in the defensive line and the pass rush more than anywhere else on the team. And it's not good right now. Now you're going to add another one. But 
I would have said that exact same thing about the running backs and Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey was a revelation for this team if they added him. So to me, it comes down to price. If all it takes is a third round pick, absolutely do it. Um, if I'm giving up a first round pick, I don't know that I would do it for that. Um, but I do think they need to add something. They got to make some sort of move. Again, send a message to this locker room about urgency, right? Yeah. The more you can do in that area, I think it helps. I think Lynch is, I think they're going to do something. I don't know if it's going to be Christian McCaffrey level move, but I think they'll, they'll make some move before the deadline on Halloween. Yep. Yeah. We're five days away from the deadline. So we'll see if the 49ers could get something done before then, What's kind of funny. Okay. It's not funny, um, but ironic, I guess if the 49ers beat the Vikings, I feel like it'd be likely that they would make a move with the Vikings. Like after that, maybe they get <laughs> Daniel Hunter. Like that all went away when the Vikings won. I don't think they're going to end up trading anyone. At least one of their really good players like Hunter. So yeah, that's the kind of uh, irony that I saw from, from that game. But let's get into this uh, Bengals preview and we'll just look at it high level here. Um, we're four to five minutes in on the show. Trey Hendrickson, like I mentioned, he's going to be a problem at uh, for the left tackle, it, even if it's Trent. Like, but I would feel a hell of a lot better if it's Trent Williams versus if it's Jalen Moore. Now, Jalen Moore had a good game, but he wasn't going up against like Daniel Hunter so last week. So maybe that explained that. Hendrickson seven sacks on the season, tied for fourth most. And that's despite being double teamed 22% of dropbacks. So he is a force on that defensive line. They also have Sam Hubbard. Uh, so maybe Colin McKibbitts will be dealing with him, who, by the way, he's not off the hook either. He had six pressures given up last week. So I'm not feeling great about that. And like we mentioned, if Sam Darnold's not the same kind of guy in the pocket as Brock Purdy, ooh, it, I'm scared that it could be a bad day for the offensive line. I can't even blame Colton McKivitz. Like you knew who Colton McKivitz was going into this year. And if you didn't, you damn well should have. You cut Colton McKivitz at one point. This, this regime, this organization cut this player. And now all of a sudden he was the unquestioned right tackle. They didn't even draft anybody to to challenge him. So I'm not, I can't get mad at Colton McKivitz for giving up six pressures. Some guys just, you know, they are what they are as players. He's not good. I blame the organization more for that. Uh, it could be very rough, Steph, because we've seen with Sam Darnold when he gets pressured and, and you know, he's got to make quick decisions. His quick decisions are usually bad decisions. So this could snowball on the 49ers for sure. Yeah, it, it could. Um, talking ahead, thanks for the donation. He says, for sure, they're going to do something. They're trading for cousins. Kidding, mostly. But after seven years of quarterback saga, it really wouldn't shock me. Um, you know, I, I think the 49ers... And the Kirk Cousins thing. I think that's dead. Kirk had a great game. Like maybe one of his best games (laughs) ever against the 49ers. But I, I think they're, they're done looking into that. Are you really? Oh, I think there's an absolute chance. Kirk Cousins is free agent signing in 2024. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I guess it's still early in the season, so I don't know what Brock's going to look like the rest of the year. If he, you know, falls to earth and, you know, rounds out to be a guy who, you know, you can't win with, then yeah, that'd still be alive. But as of right now, I don't, I don't know. Oh, I think it's absolutely possible. What was their argument for getting their public argument for getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Well, he's good, but he's just hurt too much. Well, what have we seen from Brock Purdy? 
hurt ribs, hurt elbow, now a concussion. He hasn't even started a full season yet. He's been hurt three times. If they want to, and they don't even have to get rid of Brock Purdy. They can keep him on the roster because he's going to be under contract and he's cheap as hell. I do. I absolutely, especially if the 49ers fall short again, I completely believe Kirk Cousins will be the quarterback in 2024. That is absolutely still on the table. If we're citing injuries, Jimmy Garoppolo missed games with his injuries. Brock Purdy hasn't missed a lot of games with his injuries. True. Yeah, I mean, he. you could argue he hasn't missed any so far. I mean, he could miss this game against uh, the... Uh, the Bengals with the concussion, uh, there's still a chance that he gets cleared. Unlikely, but there's a chance there. That would be his first game missed. He left the game uh, against the Eagles, but that was the end of their season. So he technically didn't miss any games after mm-hmm. that. Um, and he was ready for the regular season. The rib injury, he didn't miss that game. And he played well uh, in, in the game that he played against the Seahawks dealing with that injury. So little bit different than Jimmy Garoppolo, although sure, if they want an excuse, I guess you can say to pursue Kirk Cousins, they can always find one, I'm sure. But as of right now, it's week eight, still early in the season. I'm not there yet to to really, you know, think Cousins is an option. I think never forget your first love. I'll just say this, and I, I've said it multiple times. If Vegas doesn't even have the 49ers as odds of getting uh, Kirk Cousins, then I, I think we shouldn't even consider it. But if they get back on, ooh, buddy, it could get interesting. All right, let's talk about um, the quarterback that we're playing on Sunday, Joe Burrow. He could be poised to look like his old self, I think, coming off the bye week, calf injury potentially behind him now. The pass rush of the 49ers, yeah. They have to get home in this one. They have to. Burrow has been sacked 14 times this season. And I know, like, we've we've been looking at the pass rush. These past two games, actually, like, the Browns and the Vikings offensive lines have been good. I know that's not an excuse. Like, they, they should still get sacks. But the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is not as good as the last two weeks. So they have to find a way to put pressure on Burrow. Burrow will destroy this team if they don't get pressure on him with the weapons that he has in Jamar Chase and T Higgins and his just ability. He's one of the best quarterbacks they've played all year. He will eat this defense alive if they don't get pressure. That is the 49ers escape, get out of jail free card, so to speak, because he's not overly mobile anyway. And his calf is maybe it's close to hundred percent now after a bye week I don't know, but it was banged up and you could tell, I mean, there were some games where Burrow like wouldn't even step into throws. He would throw kind of flat footed. Like that's how limited he was by that injury. So if he's slowed by that injury at all, there's going to be opportunity, but they got to get home. They have to, to me, that's the only way they can win this game. Cause otherwise I think that they're just not going to be able to stop. No, the 49ers don't have anybody that can guard Jamar chase. Pretty much nobody does by the way. Yeah, the one thing that I'm a little concerned with is that Burrow gets the ball out third quickest in the NFL so far this season. Mm-hmm. I believe he's like it's like 2.4 something. Uh yeah, 2.46, which has been part of the issue with the 49ers and and the quarterbacks they've been going up against because all the quarterbacks are game planning to get the ball out quick. And it's working. The pass rush isn't getting home. So 
that is my concern that they're going to get the ball out quickly. And uh, once again, we're going to see the pass rush, not get there. So I really hope we see less blitzes this week. Cause like they need to have guys in coverage because with, with the receivers that are on this Bengals team, I don't know if you can afford to just have like, you know, few guys back there, Fred Warner and Greenlaw. I think like you're putting a lot of pressure and stress on, on those linebackers. They're great. They're great. But like, if they're one of the only guys back there, they're not going to look so hot. So don't put them in that position. Wilkes. Um, and <laughs> Wilkes, you said that with a lot of anger. Wilkes. Wilkes. I, I, I said that with an E in it. Yeah, um, I can tell. <laughs> So yeah, I that's that's my concern. They they have to get pressure in, in this one, and it could be a different game. It could be like a game that we saw against the Cowboys, the games we saw prior before they had all these struggles. If the pass rush could get home, so hope they can get it done. And also, the blitzing is not really working. Their pressure rate when they blitz versus when they don't blitz is 03 percent higher. So like, what do you really? You're taking somebody out of coverage for point three percent of a better pressure rating. Like it's, it's not worth it. So I, I don't know. This is actually what I saw. And I, this came from uh, Nick Wagner from ESPN. Mm-hmm. He said, when the Niners don't blitz their pressure rate is 23.5%, 23rd in the NFL. When they do blitz it's 40.5, which ranks 18th. So it is helping. It's still not helping a whole lot. You're still not getting sacks, which I think is the, you know, the biggest issue. Oh, you and, know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I messed that up. The, the the Wagner tweet I was looking at was just the Minnesota game. Sorry about that. But that that's an issue too, right? Like, if it didn't work against the Vikings, a quarterback like Joe Burrow with the weapons that he has could very well be capable of doing the same thing, making your blitz pointless and actually carving you up with it. So, yeah, the 49ers have to tread lightly on that one. Um Rush needs to get home. If they can get home with four, they don't need a blitz. All right. So they need to figure that out more than anything and stop putting their secondary in difficult spots because they're not built to be in difficult spots. All right. Look, we're we've been talking your ear off for 53 minutes. Um, Rob, any last words about this matchup about Brock, about Darnold? Um, God help us if Brock Purdy can't play. Please, Brock, heal up. There's a five-phase program that Brock Purdy's got to get through. It's highly unlikely that he will, but Kyle, I liked Kyle's line, which was like, hey, we started Brock on Thursday on a short week against Seattle as a rookie, and he didn't throw a single ball all week. So Kyle's willing to take it down the line, which was reassuring. But, I mean, if it's Sam Darnold, it's just going to be survive in advance. I I can't do it. I can't watch him. Please, please, no. The reality of the situation is we we probably won't know for sure until Sunday morning. And yeah, I mean, maybe that's good for the 49ers because like I said, the Bengals are going to have to prepare for both quarterbacks regardless. So maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe that'll help the 49ers give them a bit of an advantage. But the key to the game for me, for the 49ers is like, the defense has to step up and you can argue, you know, they haven't given up that many points. It's it definitely hasn't been unsurmountable for the offense to get over 22 and 19 points respectively. But still, I just don't think we're seeing the brand of football that we had been seeing the weeks prior. They need to get back to that. They need to limit the Bengals to anything possible. uh, And the pass rush has to be there or it's just not happening once again. So 
that's what I hope to see on Sunday. I think if the defense could be locked in, if they can look like they did uh, in the first few weeks of the season, then I don't think it matters who's going to be at quarterback. I think the 49ers can win the game if the defense, you know, shows up. So hopefully we get that version. But yeah, eh, we'll we'll see. Hopefully next week we're not talking about Sam Darnold again. Uh, I, I know Rob would not like that. And Guys, make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. Make sure you also uh, subscribe to Rob's channel, the Gold Standard Network, on YouTube, on wherever you get your podcasts, in the 49 Carrots podcast. Make sure you leave a review. Make sure you give us a rating. We always love that. But for now, have a good rest of your Thursday, folks. Peace.